Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Hi, this is Michael Waits from ATP Stories, and I am talking to Wayne Farmer. Wayne is the managing partner at Isle Mount Limited. It's nice to talk to you. It's nice to meet you as well. Hi, Michael. Uh, thanks for the kind introduction. Yeah. Um, so where? Let, let's go back over this again. Where are you from originally? Uh, so I was uh, I was born in Ottawa, uh, in uh, the in capital Canada. of uh, Canada. So and, and largely grew up there, a little bit in northern Ontario and uh, eastern Canada. But uh, largely grew up in Ottawa. Went to university, at Queen's University, which is um, nice. one of Canada's oldest schools uh, in Kingston, Ontario. Did a little stint at uh, uh, University of British Columbia, um, mainly so I could spend a winter at Whistler skiing. I was um, say. And <laughs> And then, uh, and then I did my uh, MBA with um, University of Western Ontario um, uh, Ivy Business School uh, in Hong Kong, where they opened up campus in uh, in um, uh, in '98 uh, uh, at the Convention Center there. Uh, uh, and then, I guess to round out my education, I did a diploma at SMU here in Singapore recently as well on corporate uh, directorship. So, and and hopefully that's the last thing I ever do. <laughs> the uh, last, from, uh, the last course I ever class. take at school. <laughs> that's right. Right, but that's so, right. but this is where things get interesting right so why did you decide after doing a lot of your formal education in canada to go and get your another degree in hong kong uh well uh, i moved to hong kong so so i graduated in 1992 93 you could say and um i went to hong kong largely because um i was a political refugee from a rather disastrous election in 19. 19- <laughs> so, uh, so I worked for the Conservative Party under under Brian Mulroney, and uh, then in Kim Campbell in the Prime Minister's office. Uh, and through a confluence of events, uh, we had a rather disastrous general election, um, where we went from uh, I think it was 152, 153 seats to two. And uh, and I thought I should leave the country. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, uh, not, not that I was single handedly responsible for that, but uh, but uh, you know needed a change. <laughs> so Hong Kong was where I uh, where I ended up. Um, and uh, and why I ended up in Hong Kong, um, probably, uh, you know, a number of reasons. I, I think um, even at that time, although I wasn't really uh, mapping out um, my career or my pathway too well, uh, it was pretty clear that Asia was going to play a much greater um, part in, in yeah. Canada's future right. um, in particular. Uh, Hong Kong uh, has uh, has and continues to have, you know, very strong ties with, with Canada. Um, you know, the statistic, uh, and it hasn't shifted very much over the years, but there's about 300 to 400,000 um, Canadian passport holders in Hong Kong, which makes it one of Canada's largest cities um, by by population, if you think about it. Um, and so, um, and I had friends that had graduated and were in Hong Kong and, and had some um, ability to guide me and sort it out of flats and, and through them I found a, a job and, and I guess it was a little bit of sense of adventure. Um, you know, the sun hadn't quite set on the British Empire just yet, but it did a, a couple of years later. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so off I went and, uh, and I got a job. Uh, actually working in in media uh, for the Thompson Corporation, which is now Thompson Reuters uh, right. in financial data um, and uh, financial um, uh, credit analysis, credit systems, and that that you know in in what happened between say ninety ninety four when I landed to to say ninety eight to, to ninety nine, um, where I had uh, um, worked for Thompson, um, shifted down to Singapore, uh, left them. Uh, went back to Hong Kong from a short after a short stop in Vietnam as an entrepreneur. 
um, joined a company that was then bought by Thompson, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, and then left again to join the, the Financial Times Group, which was owned by Pearson at the time. Um, it, it, it was it was a dramatic change in the in the media industry going on at that time. Um, you know, uh, with the with the information products that we were selling to you know to banks and financial institutions, I, I you know started out as, uh, as as sort of global banking directories and in information. So I was like right. the encyclopedia salesman of banking for Asia. <laughs> Uh, I had to carry these 50-pound books around, um, you know, and in a short period of time that went from, you know, directories to CDs, you know, with regular updates to proprietary information systems to Internet-based information systems to, you know, competing with free information, right, um, available uh, available anywhere. And there was a lot of consolidation and, uh, and change. It wasn't exactly a happy period, I would say. I mean, we went through, as I just referenced, two or three kind of um, either mergers or buyouts that I, I managed to survive as, a, as an employee. Um, but I, I, I think it was a great learning experience about uh, perhaps the, the, the temporal nature of, of, of industries and, uh, and certainly um, employment these days uh, and how to adapt, right? Um, because there was a dramatic amount of change at uh, that early in, uh, in, uh, in my you know, career outside of, outside of politics yeah, and, in the and, industry that I was in. Yeah. And to be fair, like I think I had a similar experience at the end of my career, right? I mean, one of the things that we did was we used technology to access all of the data that you were providing, right? So I sat on a portfolio trading desk at mm. at Goldman Sachs and at Citigroup and at Macquarie Securities as well. And, you know, we used all that data, all the back data that we would buy from you or buy from Bloomberg and build trading systems around it. What ended up happening was the people that actually executed those trades or traded no longer became necessary, right? Mm. So we saw that kind of massive change as well paradigm change as well while it was going on and yeah it does teach you how to adapt how to change yeah. how to find new things to do and how to repackage those skills it's interesting yeah and and, and frankly a lot of the the people that uh, that were behind doing um uh even some of the value added analysis to to that to that data that was that was captured you know along long different data segments also became unnecessary because a lot of that was farmed out to outsourcing operations in uh in Philippines or India that would just you know basically cost arbitrage labor right, right. and uh <laughs> so so there you go um but you know dramatic amount of change and and uh i i guess the epiphany for me was um i started the, my my MBA and and the, the thing that I realized the most that uh, that business was utterly and completely about sales, no matter what anybody tells you. Um, if you're not generating revenue um, at, at a profitable margin, you, you're not going anywhere. And I, I looked around and said, well, what's the biggest thing that would carry the largest commission that I could possibly think of selling? And that was companies. Right. <laughs> so, I was uh, say, that, the bigger the number, the better. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the flair for you know artwork and uh, and, uh, and and fine wine to uh, to capture that. But um, um, uh, but I I I went into um, or pushed myself into um, into corporate M and A when I was uh, at the end of my time with in in, in sort of um, working for corporations. The last one was a Financial Times Group, and and I was doing some regional M&A for them, looking at, at data information companies in this region. Uh, when I finished my MBA, I left. I worked for a Hong Kong company um, focused on direct um, investments, primarily in China. Uh, so I was spending, I spent two or three years traipsing uh, all over China, um, looking at uh, quite a wide variety of, uh, of, of things um, from uh, from pig, uh, pig or, or pork factories and pig farms, pork factories to transportation networks, to power, to um, 
you know, service industries. Um, and then, uh, and then ended up, um, setting up my own company, uh, um, and, uh, and focused, uh, around the, around the tail end of the, uh, the, the Asian economic crisis as that started to, you know, end and, and wind up. Um, we did a lot of distressed work, which quickly morphed into, into growth capital, you know, over the last decade, um, as, as Asia's had a, um, you know, a pretty strong rise, even, even with the 2008 sort of global, you know, wobbling back in, in North America and Europe, uh, that, that didn't hit Asia growth to the same extent, um, as it did, um, you know, the rest of the world, right? In terms of systemic, um, damage to the economy and inability to, uh, to uh to continue business and to continue growth um you know the macro sort of drivers of asia kind of stayed in place and i, and I think asia had their moment in the late 90s with the asian economic crisis right. so they were they were much better positioned to to come out of that um around you know 08 09 and 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 in fact if you were in the private equity industry i think it was a great time because a lot of and which i think persists to now a lot of um, uh, banking capacity, particularly from European and North American banks, has really just disappeared from the market, right? So, so the demand for for private capital, um, uh, if anything, has uh, has uh, has increased um, uh, over the over the last few years, uh, and the understanding of it as well, I would say. Yeah. So coming out of that financial crisis, right? You know, if you if you said that one of the things you learned when you were in the media side of the business and the data side of the business, you learned the sort of the temporal nature of employment on a larger scale, right? This financial crisis, I learned a bunch of stuff because I was looking at it from the other side, right? I was in the finance business selling securities. And I agree with you, right? If you're not selling something and making a profit off of it, you're not in business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you're right. Go to the biggest thing. But what do you think you learned coming out of that financial crisis that that allows you then to go and buy and sell companies in a way that's more effective than anybody else? Because I think there was a lot of stuff that came out of there that was good to learn about. Sure. Sure. Well, I I think one of the biggest things uh, and and uh, uh, was that uh, look um, when uh, uh, on either side of a crisis there's there's activity, right? So so when when things are going down. Um, you know, people do try new strategies. They are they're adjusting their portfolios, or they're 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 selling assets or, or buying assets, and and when things look like they start to recover, um, the same thing happens, right? Um, during the, the the Asian economic crisis, which was quickly followed by. Um, you know, uh, SARS, which is really a, you know, pandemic medical crisis in yep. Asia. Um, things went, things arrived at a, things were at a standstill at one point. I mean, in, if you were in Hong Kong in 2000, well, actually the third whammy was the, the, the dot com, the, the very short lived dot com bubble in Asia bursting in, in 2002 around the, the same time that, you know, SARS hit and, uh, and the, and then the economic crisis was kind of almost at its end, but not quite. Right. So you had like a triple whammy of, uh, of events. Um, and, you know, a year or so um, kind of went by where, you know, if you went out to the subway in Hong Kong, you were probably the only person on it. <laughs> or, uh, or or if you went to the Mandarin Oriental and wanted to have, you know, lunch, um, <laughs> you, were you, know, alone. you were alone. You didn't need to book a table. Um, so so you, you had 20 staff hovering around you, um, you know, with face masks on. Um, but uh, um, the the you know, it was it was a really trying time for a lot of people. And and I think that that, um, you know, around the end of 2003 into 04, 
um, I don't know, something just sort of lifted and people decided that they wanted to, you know, meet again and, and conduct business. And, 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 um, you know, it, it was like, um, a dam burst and things kind of got back to normal. And, and there was, there's been a pretty good run, you know, since then for, for, for most of Asia, right? Uh, up until, up until recently or up until now. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I think there was a lot, there's quite a few lessons out of that. I mean, I, I think one of them is, is, uh, is you, you definitely need to have um, a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, uh, there's there's no, you know, um, I was reading a book, you know, recently um, that uh, that was kind of a, you know, a airplane read. But one of the comments that someone made was like, no, no, no plan, you know, survives the battle. <laughs> so I mean, I think that's that's, that's a, a good re- metaphor. I'm writing that not down just, actually. Yeah, that's right. Not that's a good metaphor, not just for. Um, you know, not just for uh, you know a military engagement, but I, I think uh, you know uh, a business project or or what have you. I think in, in all the deals that we've worked on, um, you know, there is a standard approach to to um, to uh, you know a deal process, obviously. Um, but no no deal is is ever the same, particularly in a private private transaction. Private equity and private deals are, are so dependent on and, and so personality driven. That no matter, you know, you could, you could do your, your financial analysis, you could do your, you know, your diligence, you could do, you know, all the way down from macro down to the bottom and then bottom up and, and, and you've got all your, your diligence boxes ticked, but there, there's so much people dynamics that, uh, um, that, to deal with, uh, that, that you really, you, you know, that could derail the best laid plans, I suppose, uh, but you just have to learn how to, how to deal with those and, and how to adapt. And, and I think that, you know, when you get into the industry and, and you, you know, you build up a uh, one of the odd things about when I wear my advisor hat uh, on, on doing a private equity transaction, I often know the sources of capital much longer uh, than I do my clients. Right. Right. Because I've been working with them for a number of years and some of them are friends and, and that sort of thing. And 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 so um, you get a sense of which clients are, are going to get along with, you know, what 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 people and 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 won't and when they have to live with each other for four or five years after a deal that's a very important dynamic (laughs) um so um uh, you know one of our clients uh just to to kind of anecdotally one of our clients we were doing a deal in uh in china um and and he uh, had a very very successful business very rapid growth um like a, a typical entrepreneur with limited capital off the seat of his pants um, you know, needed a lot of improvement in, 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 in operations and systems and cash flow management, working capital, all that kind of stuff. And one of the, uh, one of the private equity firms we brought, um, in to see him, uh, then in turn brought one of their guys who was, uh, um, you know, mainland Chinese, um, um, uh, guy, PhD in, I don't know, from Harvard or Columbia, uh, whatever it was, came over, spent the afternoon, um, by the end of the afternoon, he had, he had written out, um, everything that was wrong with the business and the solution to it and presented it to my client who, who, uh, who after that guy left said, that guy's brilliant, um, but I can never work with him and I don't want to ever see him again. The guys, the guys EQ and social skills were, were about as, you know, were about as great as like my table here that I'm, I'm standing behind. Um, right. so just, just no people skills, uh, you know, no, you know, um, no 
no ability to understand the nuances, uh, but um, from a technical point of view, absolutely completely brilliant, right? And 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 that's a that's a challenge when you when you you know when you have that with a client who. Um, you know who uh, who um, uh, you know off, uh, often operates on 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 trust or on feel or on or on impulse. Not, maybe impulse is a bad word, but on instinct, maybe that's a better word. And and you really have to match up. Pers- it's not just about matching capital; it's also about matching personalities to some degree and uh, uh, and expectations. So um, a lot of my time. The other thing that that I, I find working in private equity is also managing um, expectations. Um, um, particularly on clients, you know, and how much they are going to get for their their company because everybody's baby is obviously priceless, and uh, right. and and the 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 investors that uh, um, you know want to buy companies, and you know if if a company isn't who, who sometimes fail to understand that 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 if a company is going well and um, and it's desirable that they do have choices, right, and um, and. Uh, and it's not just about the capital; it's about you know the, the people. Kind of repeating myself, but the intangibles that an investor can bring through networks, through credibility, through presence. Um, and you know, there's some trade-offs to be made there, right? Um, um, and and you know, that's a balancing act that you have to strike. Um, I think um, um, when you're when you're when you're working on these transactions as a as a as an advisor in particular. Yeah, I mean, so, these these personal relationships and like you said, the EQ and the ability to get along with other people is actually really important. I mean, you didn't say it directly, but I'll say it explicitly, and that is, you know, money at some level is a commodity. And, you know, for every business that's for sale or for every private equity um, investment opportunity, it could be, there are plenty of people that want to do it, particularly if the returns are, are viable. And yet depending on how that private equity deal turns out, right? So what the level of investment is, if it's not a full buyout, you're going to have to work with those people forever. It's like getting into a bad marriage. Getting in is easy, but getting out is really hard. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and, and you're right there, 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 although it's never easy to raise money or, or sure. close a transaction, um, there is quite a lot of capital floating around, um, uh, uh, at, at looking at, you know, different, Asset classes, different types of deals, different uh, different industries, different geographies, whatever, um, you know, and and with some patience and uh, and fortitude, <laughs> uh, you'd eventually work your way through to the to the folks that that would be interested in in, in what you're doing, right? And and there yeah. there is money out there um, uh, if it's if it's a uh, uh, you know if uh, if a deal can be struck. So so it, it is about the intangibles, or a lot of it's about the intangibles, and uh, and that one that one's kind of difficult sometimes to. Uh, to, to, to learn, but but you know, I, I think the key to a successful deal is 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 figuring those things, um, figuring out how to how to manage that, and trying to understand both your clients and and you know and 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 the people you work with in terms of uh, of capital and and where they're coming from and um um and and you know and frankly how to their personalities and and how to deal with them right. Yeah, exactly. um, and and you know look maybe I've been in Asia for a long time but but um, um, you know Asia in particular is a very you know personality driven um, uh, you know place it, it it's a very family dominated business scene um, at least in the in the private equity side um, most of the countries here most of the businesses are are family uh, owned and family run um, there has been a generational shift I think to to being more perhaps uh, streamlined um, um, you know more focused in terms of family conglomerates which tend to have 
fingers in many pies and, and a shift to more professional management, but it, it's gradual, right? They're, it's still very family oriented. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, a family dynamic, uh, in choosing to bring in, um, institutional, uh, investor, um, for the first time, um, or to exit to one, um, you know, is a very different dynamic than, uh, than perhaps, uh, um, you know, a, uh, um, a management controlled company or, or an entrepreneur who's, who's, you know, came from a startup situation or, or whatever you, what right. have you. It's a, it's a very different dynamic. Um, uh, you know, I've been to weddings, I've been to funerals, <laughs> I've been to <laughs> baptisms, I've been to all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. Um, sitting at the the patriarch's table listening to, to his stories um showing you know just by doing that and demonstrating some interest and in, in patient in your in your client and their story um um you know does does allow you to to figure out how to bridge those gaps sometimes um, right. I mean, not that, all the time but sometimes that, that's right? actually the interesting point for me is that and you said this really well and that is that the relationships actually really matter and I don't think it's because you've been in Asia for too long. I think that's just because that's where you were sort of professionally brought up. But what's interesting to me is that the same skills and relationship skills that are beneficial and that are productive, let's just say in Canada or in the United States, are not necessarily so in China, in Taiwan, in Hong Kong, or in Singapore. Not necessarily because um, you're just dealing with families as opposed to a managed company just because the people have also been brought up in a culture that's completely different and learning that I think is really hard to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, I, I think, um, one, a good example of that is, um, I've been approached uh, a number of times by folks, principally from the U S and Canada, I would say, who have these fantastic kind of, um, you know, um, online, you know, kind of uh, deal services or, or right. matching services, billboard services, whatever you want to call them, where, where, you know, clients, um, you know, uh, either advisors post their, their clients or clients or, or, or the companies can post themselves. And, you know, they, they, they do their, they present their IM, they do their, you know, they have their numbers and, and here's the deal and, and let's, you know, let's go off and do it. And, and you can kick things off. Uh, it's quite a robust market and, and, you know, it's like, here's the deal, take it or leave it. Right. And, and th- I, they've never been successful in my opinion in, in, in penetrating Asia because business is, is just not done like that. Right. So, um, and particularly the companies that you, 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 you want to get a hold of out here are not the ones you're going to find on a bulletin board listed for sale. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's a little bit different in North America where it's a bit more, you know, a uh, bit less, uh, I, I would stay, I would say it's certain, um, circles uh, the, that that sort of personal dynamic kind of remains the same, but I, I think there's a very robust, you know, mid market um, either PE or M and A kind of um, uh, 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 market that that is m- much less personal and and is really just about you know kind of trolling for the right right thing. Uh, at, at least certainly the first few steps are a lot less personal, right? In terms yeah, of sourcing enough. a deal, finding a deal, tackling it, right? And and that that's partially a reflection of I think of the uh, of the the you know culture, the way people are educated, brought up, but also just the fact that North America is a very very deep um, you know market, right? So so it's a much bigger market than the rest of the world for for private investments and private transactions. And, and so, you know, Asia just is not as sophisticated, uh, as yet it's getting, it's getting a lot better. Um, but you know, the universe is, 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 is really, you know, quite tiny, relatively speaking. I, I think that, um, 
for for a number of years, I worked with one of the Canadian pension funds um, on on their emerging market strategy and an actual uh, fund to fund strategy, um, which uh, which we we did a couple of investments into into funds here in in, in Asia. But when we when you're looking at the the universe of of, of GPs uh, in 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 the region, um, and then you you work it down to uh, uh, ones that would meet sort of institutional investor criteria, pension funds criteria. Um, you know, for Southeast Asia, uh, you know, we went from a list of about, you know, 50, maybe at a stretch, 75, if you included some thematic funds down to about a dozen that were really, um, you know, w- would made the benchmark in terms of, uh, institutional criteria. Right. So if you think that, 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 and, you know, it's grown, probably grown since then, but if you think for the size of, of Southeast Asia, and some of these were also Pan Asian funds with the, the, the size of the economy that you have that, that number of private equity firms, um, you know, compare that to America or even Canada or Europe, right? I mean, you, you could see that the industry, um, has a long way to go yet to, you know, to develop, right? And, and I, and I, I think there's a couple, there's a couple of reasons for that, but, um, I, I think ultimately what, what happens is that, um, managed, manager selection right at the moment is, is kind of the limit, limiting factor in, 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 in the growth of the private equity industry, um, in this part of the world. Right. Yeah, so you, yeah. you, you, so, so despite the fact that there is a lot of money, there's a lot more money that I think would like to go to growth and buy the growth that you're seeing in Asia because you're not seeing it anywhere else, but there really isn't the, the, the managers to, 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 to put it with. Um, and the, the creation of, of managers is, is not keeping a pace, I think, with the, uh, with the interest level. Um, and, and so the good managers get money thrown at them left, right, and, and fist, and then others struggle. Um, and, uh, and, um, you know, and, and it just, there just isn't the people that seem to be pouring into the, uh, into the industry, perhaps like they're used to. I, I think, um, you know, there was a big trend, um, for folks to, uh, to diverge into the hedge fund business that I think, um, was uh was a perception that it was easier to make money with a hedge fund um barriers to you know to set up and and ability to to take profits and uh you know the more liquid nature of it attracted a lot of people um versus being a gp and being stuck with your investments for you know five to seven years where you really got to see your carry realized um so i think that took some people out but but that's changed as well it's not um you know there's a lot more regulation uh both in the hedge fund and the, and the private equity industry and um and uh and hopefully you know that'll you know that'll get back in track and we will see more managers coming into the into the region um sorry i'm being a bit long-winded but no 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 it's good you, it's you really see interesting, the, the the other thing that that you see is um a lot of interesting deals are are being done by family controlled corporations right they 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 often are the main competitors in many many markets um, to your 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 private equity fund managers. Uh, sure, Philippines Thailand, is a great Thailand. That's amazingly true. And Thailand, Philippines, Philippines, absolutely true. Um, you know, one of the best deals ever done in in Asia was uh, uh, was the purchase of Astra by Jardines, um, which which uh, you know uh, what I, I I think is ranks as one of the best direct investment deals in in you know in in in, in Asia. As, as um, sorry, I'm repeating myself. Um, and and so and so these are the folks that that you know their cost of capital is different. Their um, 
their political risk is much different. Um, foreign ownership in some cases is not an issue. Um, you know, their access to uh, local banks um, and the ability to borrow cheaply sometimes from, you know, their own bank <laughs> uh, is, uh, is there. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, it, 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 it can make for a challenging environment. That being said, um, the, there's often reasons why people would like to work with a private equity, um, you know, manager, um, for those exact same reasons, um, in a place like the Philippines where we've worked on a, a number of deals. Um, one of the, one of the reasons why, um, you know, there is deal flow is that, um, often or not, uh, often people want or, or, or would like to attract some professional capital that, that has no ties to their market. Right. Right. Cause ultimately, um, um, you know, many of the sources of capital can be traced back to another family and, and do they get along with them? Do they not get along with them? Even if they do get along with them, do they want them in their business? You know, um, it's, it's, and so being outside that environment, um, creates and creates an, uh, an, an, an opportunity, um, to at least, uh, sit at the table and, and discuss a transaction. Absolutely. Um, and then that's where you then need to bring in, um, other attributes other than just, you know, cash. Cause if it's just cash, you know, the local market can, can sometimes supply that cheaper, right? Yep. Um, and, and there's different dynamics at play. China, I think is, is, uh, is, uh, is another interesting, you know, dynamic where, um, the increase focused on, on state owned enterprise, uh, system, uh, and the, and the advantages that, that state owned companies or the priority that they're given. In terms of bank loans or government, you know, some, or state funding or whatever might be listing cues for the stock markets, uh, means that the, 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 the private market, the private companies, um, uh, have, uh, have been neglected and there remains a, a very robust, um, market for dollar investors into, into China to help that, that, that private enterprise because they lack, um, you know, they, they lack uh, the ability to go to, um, some of the local sources of funding that are being government directed, right? So, so that's you know, in a way, that's that's good news for for private equity investors. So, so I mean, you, you've got different dynamics around around you know, around the region, but again, um, the the other thing about um, knowing people and relationships is ultimately. Um, in all of these countries, legal recourse um, is difficult. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Um, you would get a court case adjudicated. Um, you just, you know, might be you might get a judgment by the time your 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 first grandchild is born in, in some countries. But um, uh, but uh, but you know, your ultimate protection is your either your your local joint venture partner or the the person that you're investing in. So you really have to have a belief. Um, in the uh, in uh, in the integrity and uh, an ability to work with that partner, uh, or, or at least in the ability to get your your capital and profit out before um, something changes in the you know in the relationship. <laughs> um, so 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 that's a you know that's just that that's just the way this market you know is and and uh, uh, and and that's what you need to to work at um, picking carefully um, when you're when you're out looking for opportunities. Do you see the um? Over the past like five or so years, have you seen the types of companies that are participating in the private equity space changing? In other words, is there a move away from a typical type of industrial company into a food and beverage company that's getting bought and sold or technology? Like, do you see anything new coming up in the private equity and the technology space? Just do you see any sort of secular change going on or thematic change happening in the types of companies that are transacting? 
Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think yes and no. I mean, I mean, there's there's obviously, um, uh, uh, you, you know, with with rapid growth comes comes a lot of you know requirements just to get your economies to function right, and and a request for um, you know more services to, to buoy that economy. I, I guess if if anyone, it would be the consumer space has probably shown a lot of growth. Um, and, and change in the last number of years. So servicing that growing middle class and their disposable income, yeah, you know, sense, right? getting, you know, getting more credit cards, more branded goods, more F and B services and better quality on on existing services, um, and, and products, um, you know, selling more cars, providing loan finance so people can buy those cars, repairs and, and, uh, to those cars. Um, and then, it, and then all the way up through highways to drive those cars on and power to put the lights on the highways, um, and so on and so forth. So I think, you know, if you look at, if you look at, um, the economies of Southeast Asia, um, it's, it's things like healthcare, education, consumer services, financial services, um, logistics, supply chain, you know, cold chain storage, right? Um, uh, food, uh, uh, food. Um, I think agribusiness has been uh, has been uh, 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 something that's been an interesting um, sort of uh, uh, sector that's come up a lot in the use of technology and how to make agriculture more productive, more efficient, less polluting. Um, you, you know, all of those things. So, so I, look, I, I, I think I, I think in in you know, any one sector, uh, um, there's, there's, there's opportunities. I, I think where, where things are, are probably have shifted was, you know, if you looked at, you know, the early two thousands, everything was about funding exports, right? Right. You build a factory, you make stuff, you sell it to, you know, us, Canada, Europe, Australia, you know, that Japan, right. Um, that, that was kind of the thing now, um, you know, there, there may be some, some, still some investment in those companies that, that have those factories, but a lot of them are shifting to servicing their own domestic, um, you know, domestic right? economy growth. So, so a friend yeah. of mine owns a, a little um, denim factory in, in in Vietnam that that I think um, um, was uh, was probably more of a um, you know um, a passion uh, a passion investment uh, than a than a than a super commercial one. But um, uh, and I forget the exact story behind it. But he had this an interest in this in this textile factory and, and specifically denim for a number of years and they always had a little bit of business so the, you know there was like two or three top denim um, OEM denim makers in, in China that did you know 90% of the world's denim capacity right, right? Um, they made for all the brands from Levi's to Armani to you know whomever whomever um, and and they would always get a little bit of, of, of business just so that there was some from a risk management point of view and a slack capacity point of view that, that you know they had enough to keep them going and then about two three years ago um he got a phone call one one week and then within a short span he, he got a phone call from almost every denim buyer saying they wanted to book up all of his capacity for um you know the next like five years and he was like well something happened yeah what happened there? <laughs> and and uh and and basically what happened was um one of the biggest um uh chinese uh manufacturers that i referred to which who i believe at the time was responsible for about 40 or so percent, um, 40 or 60 percent, I forget which, it was an incredibly large number uh, of, of OEM denim. It kind of called around to their clients and kind of gave them warning that, that they weren't going to make jeans for export anymore because they were going to make their own brand for 
you know distribution within China, uh, and then eventually exporting their own brand. Um, so so that just goes to show like the kind of shift from you know exports obviously still play a very big role in in, in the regional and, and global economy out here, but there there is a tremendous desire um, to to grow the domestic economies. Um, and lift, you know, people's um, conditions of living and and uh, and uh, and whatnot, um, you know, from China to Indonesia to you know to Thailand to Vietnam to Philippines. It's 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 clearly happening, and that's a big shift from, you know, uh, a decade or, or 15 years ago, right? When it was all right. all about so, making stuff cheaply and selling it halfway and selling around it overseas. The world. But so these are the right. two these are the two big changes that I think I'm seeing, and I'm that that's one of them, right? The the Selling stuff overseas, so for export or building up your domestic, um, your domestic market. The domestic market building means also that your consumer base is getting richer so that they can actually afford to buy some of those products, and that's a big secular change too. But the yes, other, the absolutely. other, the other, the other change though, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's also, also included in there, right? Is that because those people are getting wealthier, then you're seeing also a big macro changes taking place as well. Right. And I think that feeds into employment and the way finance is taking place, too. And I think that's just going to become as as important, if not more important than that switch from, you know, building your sorry, export market to building your domestic market. So I think those two things go together really strongly. Sure. Uh, you know, absolutely. And and, yet, and look, finance is, has has um, has dramatically changed. I mean, you, you came out of the markets as well. So I, I think actually. Um, the you know the financial markets or sorry the financial industry has has um, permanently shrunk uh, quite dramatically. Definitely, well, definitely. <laughs> uh, partly partly through um, uh, as a result of the application of technology, partly through because of regulation, partly because of um, you know some of the uh, the the um, um, you know issues that 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 have occurred um, that have penalized um, institutions for perhaps not having the best governance or the right kind of products they should be selling. I mean, it, there's been a dramatic shrink to it, and and you know, and I also remember one time, you know, when everybody graduated university and they wanted to go make money, they wanted to be a banker, and that's no longer the case, no. and that's probably healthy. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> thing, frank. actually, not a bad thing. Um, because, because uh, 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 you know, um, not everybody can be a banker, and because bankers actually do need you know real companies that that make and sell stuff uh, and and are productive to in order to transact. <laughs> so, so it's a good thing that uh, that 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 uh, that that that's limited, and um, and 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 I see that everywhere, right? Nobody, no, and and there's kind of a bifurcation where I think that that people either want to go try their hand at being an entrepreneur or or you know they, they they actually want to go to work for companies in the space that they might be interested in um, I, although I think they go you know they go kids uh, kids these days um, makes me sound like a grumpy old man um, they uh, <laughs> get off my they, lawn. Uh, yeah they, uh, they, they 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 seem to understand that that although they might be going to work for a multinational um, they're not probably going to be ending up being there in 20 years time right so it's it I don't I don't think you see um, uh, people uh, expecting lifelong employment. Um, it's 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 just part of a journey, right? Um, Absolutely. And and uh, well, you, the whole you nature could, the whole nature of work is changing. Yeah, that, that's that's right. That's right. It it, it is very much so. Um, and um, and so you know it remains a uh, you know very dynamic and, and interesting interesting part of work for, uh, world for, from a from a you know business point of view. You, you it's the only place in the world that consistently has. 
um, uh, you know, roughly 5% growth amongst most of the countries in the, you know, if I'm talking about ASEAN in the, in the region, um, you know, young population, growing middle class, growing disposable income, um, growing interest in the world, um, increasingly, uh, connected through trade, uh, although, uh, you know, there's been, uh, you know, maybe a, a pause or, or, uh, or some consolidation on that front with some of the different, um, uh, political changes, uh, particularly in the U.S. over the last couple of years, but I, I, I think I, I think of it as more of a pause and, and perhaps a readjustment than an end to uh, end to globalization, despite you know what CNN kind of says That's all the right. time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, um, so, 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 look, it, it, you know, if you had to pick a part of the world, um, I mean, you know, this, this, this would be it to focus on. Although, you know. It, Interestingly enough, um, I, I I don't know that that uh, um, you could do perhaps what what uh, I did or or maybe what you did or some of the other folks that you've interviewed um, did. Um, I you know in the sense of um, you know the the era of the of the of the expat uh, in my mind is 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 kind of finished. It's over. Um, it's over because it's, it's not it's necessary over and anymore. Done with. Not it's not necessary. You've got, you know, the, 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 some of the bigger drivers of the Vietnamese economy are, are, are Vietnamese that have been educated overseas or are or have some kind of diaspora connectivity um, and have come back to work, you know, in the in either where they were born or where their parents were born. Right. Same with the Philippines. Same with China. Um, same with Hong Kong. Uh, you know, um, you, you know, if you're if you're not 100 percent entrepreneur and you're you're looking for um, you know, places to go, uh, you know, start, start up or, or, or put your shingle down. I mean, that's kind of a different story, but I, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different era, um, in, in terms of that. Um, and, and, you know, it's a different kind of opportunity set that you need to create for yourself if you, um, if you, cho- if you chose that, if you choose that path. Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's one more question I wanted to ask you before I let you go, right? Because sure. you're sitting there in the middle of this massive private equity world, but you did say, um, but you did say, sorry, that, that you thought that there was a, a lack of money managers that were being created to sort of help the demand there. In other words, that there's a lot of money out there, but not enough people to properly manage it. And I think that's true, probably. I'm agreeing with you, what you said in the PE space, but also in the VC space. Do you see people asking you now? at all to help them or to talk to them about investing in venture capital opportunities since it's the same sort of five-year to seven-year lockup for their money. Sure. It's the same carry situation. Like it's just I, similar but I, different thing. I was kind of hoping we'd get to this whole conversation without talking about venture capital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and so would I. But, anyway, but, but you just, just mentioned just the money I, manager thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because it's no, like, no. I, look, I, I think, um, you know, um, uh, look, we, we've had a couple of different bursts of uh, venture capital enthusiasm um, in uh, in Asia uh, I would say, um, you know, uh, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore have, have, have kind of been nexuses um, at different times for this. Um, obviously, you know, Singapore seems to be on a bit of a curve um, for that at the moment um, uh, in various sectors, fintech being one of them, AI, that, that sort of thing. Um, I, I guess the answer is that that by nature, um, you know, uh, venture capital is is uh, has a much higher risk and and, and, a, and a much higher 
kind of um, correlation with throwing uh, darts at your dartboard. Um, it's and, very different and just, than the private you know, equity business, it, for it, sure, because you're not it, talking about re- ongoing concerns, depending on the stage of investment you're making, for sure. Yeah, Cor- Correct. But I, I, I think also you, you've got a different dynamic where where uh, a lot of the money that's, 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 that's being uh, invested into um, venture capital – um, uh, comes from uh, originates with government and and not all of it but quite a bit of it and, particularly in and this region yeah in this region and and it's not necessarily invested on for commercial purposes and it's not I don't think it's also necessarily at every investment that they desire um, you know uh, uh, to make money ultimately I think that would be nice uh, but the reality is um, there's a degree of social engineering going on to try to get. Um, you know, um, folks, um, uh, uh, you know, more entrepreneurial, more understanding of business to get some war wounds to, to, to develop in a, try to, try to develop an innovation kind of, um, uh, ethos, which, which, you know, to be frank in, in, in Asia has been a bit, you know, difficult, right? And in, in, in Asia has been a, a really good environment for, you know, for, for taking and improving and adapting, um, but it hasn't been necessarily a great uh, place, particularly if you're talking about tech for for innovating, right? And there's a lot of desire to change that, um, and it is getting better. I, I shouldn't, you know, sound it, it totally negative actually, that, on that. That was actually one of the things I wanted, but there's just not enough time to cover that too, because it's another yeah. conversation entirely. But yeah, I think it's switching from copying to innovation as well. Correct, correct. But it's 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 it's, it's you know time. there's. It takes time, and I think there's a whole bunch of external factors that create, um, you know, uh, environments where where that that innovation truly, you know, truly comes out. And and I I think, you know, um, if if anyone will will attempt to make that succeed, I I think you know obviously keep an eye on Singapore, where you do have a lot of smart people here, um, you know, looking at these programs and looking how to you know looking to that as a future pillar of uh, of the economy, right? right? Um, yep. Um, because the economy here is also, you know, changing, and uh, and um, and and uh, you know, it, it it would be great to see that, but it does take some time, and it and it and there's going to be a lot of failures along with the you know the few early you know the few successes, right? Sure, so you sure. get to a to a, um, a a place where perhaps the successes start to you know outweigh at least in material benefit than the, the absolute number of of, of of failures, right? And and so. So right now, um, yeah, a lot of interest, a lot of money. Um, you've got private investors, you've got you know uh, government incubators, you've got private incubators, you've got venture capital funds, you've got all of this swirling around, um, trying to um, you know find the the, the the next greatest thing. And it, and it, you know it, it is driving some 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 interesting things, but um, but I think that that. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking at it from an industry perspective, I, I think that you want to have some 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 balance. If you're if you're putting um, your whole uh, focus on venture um, rather than maybe having a, a portfolio of approach from a, uh, of, of having you know a PE cluster and a venture cluster and a public markets cluster that that all work in tandem with each other uh, in theory. Um, uh, then you're 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 going to have problems, right? So you, you you need these different stages of finance and and different things that they bring to the table in in order um, for companies to grow and 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 you know and, and and prosper. And I think you know for what 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 I'm focused on and it is much more mid market growth, 
Um, there's a lot of generational change uh, that's driving, um, you know, um, uh, succession change uh, in companies. Uh, that's driving different strategies. That's driving disposals, a willingness to work with, with, with private equity um, uh, that can help bring uh, other intangibles to the to, to the table. Uh, whether it's operational improvement or strategy or networks or other markets. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a very robust segment in my, in, you know, in my mind and I perhaps agree. a little less risky, a little less risky than, 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 than venture. Um, uh, but, um, but, but there is a lot of activity at the moment and, and, you know, obviously there will be some winners as, as well as some, uh, some losers out of it. Yeah. No, look, I think you make a really good point. And I think that actually is the perfect place to end as well, <laughs> if that's okay with you. Um, this has no been problem. Thanks, amazing. Michael. No, no, this has been great. Um, I wanted to thank you a lot for just participating, for educating, and for just spending the time with us today. I really appreciate your time, Wayne. Most welcome, Michael. Uh, uh, look forward to coming back for uh, uh, for uh, for uh, number two. Yeah, please do, because <laughs> it seems like there's way more to talk about. And I was going to ask you that, actually, when we went off the air, but you brought it up. So hopefully you will come back, because there's a lot more to discuss on this. Okay, cool. Oh, we're off? We're off now. You pulled the plug. Or, or you, you pressed off. No, I haven't <laughs> yet, but I did, I did want to say thank you. That was it. All I'm right, here. okay. Well, Michael, appreciate the time as well. And, uh, and uh, thanks for... Um, Thanks for the invitation to the program. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.